Hello, everyone. This is Sal from Bitcoin Taxes. Welcome to our podcast. Each episode, we speak to an expert with knowledge related to cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. Today, we'll be speaking to Ephraim Olson, a Harvard-trained U.S. tax lawyer and co-founder of Olson & Partners Law, a sandbox law firm that helps U.S. clients have some clarity on uncertain crypto tax positions. One of the methods for gaining clarity on these uncertain positions is by penning opinion letters for those clients, which is something we'll be discussing today. Ephraim, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Sal, thanks for, for letting me come on here. It's uh, it's it's an honor to be able to chat with you on, on the airwaves here. So Of course. Appreciate yeah, it. Absolutely. Very excited to talk to you. First time guest. Very excited to learn about these opinion letters. They sound incredibly interesting. And so can you give us a little bit of uh, background aside from what I said about yourself? Yeah, for sure. So let me give you a little bit, little bit more background about me and how I ended up in, in the crypto world. I came from Law degree at Harvard. I have a advanced law degree in in tax and LLM from NYU. I had a sort of traditional law firm that I started that did you know small business taxes and whatever, but had a bunch of clients that were NFT projects or token projects or launching certain things, and uh, that sucked me into this world of cryptocurrency tax and. Once I got here, you know, the energy here and, and, and everything else, the, the, the true entrepreneurs that are out building in this space that really is kind of the Wild West in lots of ways, uh, it just excited me beyond belief. And I'm here and I'm here to stay. So I, I had a traditional law firm, old fashioned law firm, and then started a second law firm that's uh, the, the one you mentioned, Olson and Partners Law. And that's sort of my primary firm. That's where you know my primary focus is right now and, and, and what I do. But it's a unique law firm in that it's in Utah, which allows law firms to go through a sandbox process uh, to have non-lawyers own law firms. So that's like a very unique proposition historically and, and through the rest of the 50 states, I think, except maybe Arizona, all law firms, every piece of every law firm must be owned by a practicing lawyer or something like that, right? It's a very constricting. And Utah, in a bid to sort of make, open this up to different types of law firms, new energy, new blood, they allowed you know law firms to go through this process to be owned by non-lawyers. And so we, we opened a law firm, Olson & Partners Law, that's a law firm owned partially by non-lawyers. And the idea was, you know, in the area of cryptocurrency taxation, sort of blockchain related taxation, it's so incredibly technical. And it, you know, when it gets to taxes and tax law, it's so fact dependent that it seems unwise or even, you know, it seems very, very impractical to have lawyers trying to decipher why staking on this blockchain is different than staking on that blockchain or why this liquidity pool entrance and that liquidity are the same or different. So we have sort of, you know, law firms owned by people that are technical experts, they're software engineers, they're degen traders that, you know, trade in cryptocurrency. They they're understand sort of, the space more than a normal yeah, uh, people lawyer who has no experience. Yeah. Well, they live here. And, and that, that was our bid to the Utah Supreme Court was, hey, we're in an area of the law that needs more than lawyers. Mm -hmm. You're going to stifle this area if you just have lawyers here talking about it. So let's get a law firm with a whole bunch of people that have a whole bunch of technical expertise on how the blockchain works and how the very like nuanced differences between double staking and this and all of these parts. And then we can give really good tax advice. So that was the purpose. We got it approved. And that's where we operate from now. And what we found our highest value to clients is 
is to write legal opinion letters. So let me just talk about that for for a half second. What those are, because I think I think you'll find this interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And first, I just want to quickly say that that what you said is incredible. I mean, it's such. I, I think more people need to know about it, and I think that's great that you're you're coming on this podcast to discuss it because what you just described is something that I think most crypto traders and most people in the crypto space would agree is a necessity to have. You want if if you have somebody in your corner working on crypto, you want them to understand crypto. There's right. a lot of lawyers out there. Obviously, it's a noble profession. It's a it's an old profession. It's a great profession. Yep. But yep. just because you're a lawyer doesn't necessarily mean you know about crypto. And so we need people that know about crypto to help us in this space. So I think it's a great thing. What you just described sounded amazing. And I think the crypto community will uh, love the idea of that. Let, let me just add to that for one second, then, I, yeah. then I'll get on to the other thing. I mean, the truth is, the, the very best tax lawyers I know are not in this space. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I, I think I'm pretty good. I hope I am. There's there's a couple of other ones. Uh, someone, you know, one of the guys that's come on your podcast often, Andrew Gordon, good friend of mine, great tax lawyer. There's a, there's a few here, but some of the sort of traditional, really good tax lawyers that could add a lot of value here because they don't have that technical expertise and because their firms don't have that in-house, they just step out of the space, mm -hmm. right? They're just not here. And that everybody loses by by having that. So yeah, I'm glad we can be here. I'm glad like the change is happening and it's happening slowly, but it's happening. So glad I could be part of that. So let me get to, let me talk about opinion letters here for a second. So yeah. um, opinion letters are like a very specialized thing. There's a lot of different kinds of opinion letters, but opinion letters, I'll just talk about the ones, the type that we do, that variety, which is an opinion to a client. So it's written legal advice, that tells a client something. We believe that it's more likely than not that this is a good transaction, blah, blah, blah. Um, and where it's historically shown up is like banks, for example, will sometimes require an opinion letter before they fund something or a transaction or before they take part in whatever. Or like a CEO of a public company, public companies get a lot of opinion letters because, you know, before they enter into this big multi-transaction, you know, multi-country transaction, they want to make sure that some law firm is putting their name on it saying this transaction works, or at least it, it should work based on our legal analysis. So, so that's like where it comes from. And it's developed this long history of like the American Bar Association has like things that you have to say in an opinion and you can't say in an opinion and who can and can't use the opinion. Um, the IRS has a bunch of guidance on who and you know who can and can't give opinions. I mean, obviously lawyers, but the idea is you, you can't be irresponsible with it. You've got to know all the facts. You've got to be able to do your due diligence. You've got to be able to add these things in here, saying what you've looked at, what you have as part of the opinion. So it's 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 sort of this unique type of legal advice that's been honed over fifty years or whatever, probably longer, but at least fifty years worth. Some of these publications have come out. And that's the that's the genre in which we're writing these opinion letters. Now, do these um, become like public domain? No, like people can no, access them? They no, don't. Okay. No. I mean, so you can have, there's a separate type of opinion, which is an opinion that people go out and, and use to like sell something, right? So it's like, you could have some people selling a transaction or a product or something, and they'll get a legal opinion letter that talks to the whole world and says like, you know, it's based, you're not my client, but based on my analysis, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, those are a little bit. Those are a little bit more dangerous in the sense that there's a lot more regulations on those, just because obviously you don't know the client, you don't know who's looking at it, whatever. But these ones are specific to a client. So you know, I will write. You know, you, if you were the client, Sal, I'm writing you an opinion letter 
and it's going to say these things and it's written specifically to you and your facts and based on my you know review of your facts and analysis and using my sort of technical team the legal analysis is x and that applies to you and and it specifically says in there you know you nobody else can rely on this so so this is and this is something you don't even turn over to the irs right this is so for ours we write these opinion letters for people they have them in their back pocket but they're not going to like attach it to the back of their tax return they just have it and the purpose of it in in this instance is to give them um like let them know what is or isn't a reasonable position um as far as some of this crypto tax right so one of the one of the ways you'll have this written in the traditional world in the sort of you know traditional finance world is you'll have an accounting firm or somebody who's signing a return for a big public company let's just say they did a big 100 million dollar transaction and there's 100 million dollars of taxes that isn't showing up on the return for whatever reason because this transaction before someone signs that return and you know under penalty of perjury they're likely going to want an opinion saying it's reasonable for you to sign this return it's reasonable for you to take the position that this 100 million dollars is not reportable as taxable income right that's 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 going to happen anyway this is obviously a smaller scale we don't have clients that have 100 million dollars of you know taxable income there you know that they're not reporting or that they're keeping off of their return but it's it's smaller scale right so we would have i'll, I'll just give you some examples right you'd have a client who wrapped a whole bunch of bitcoin mm. or something mm. they wrapped it on the you know the form that they get printed from their tax software says you wrapped 10 bitcoin you wrapped four bitcoin uh taxable when you wrapped it taxable when you unwrapped it here's the form and and you know they come to us and say hey this seems unreasonable i'm my i'm yeah. looking at the tax law myself and this just seems like bizarre to me that this would be called taxable but mm -hmm. i don't want to leave it off because i don't you know i don't want to get trouble with the irs and there's but, so many you know, softwares just to jump in there's so many softwares out there and, and a lot of them don't have any authority to say this is what oh, sure. oh and they're just spitting out random figures because they they wanted to get in the game of of crypto tax software so there's a lot of untrustworthy softwares out there and and a consumer may not realize that and that they're reporting that they owe you know uh you know fifty thousand dollars sixty thousand dollars when it's just simply kind of a ridiculous thing to say totally agree and 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 that's the issue right so you get you get these tax softwares that say it's taxable and then if you're not going to report it people are sort of shy as they mm -hmm. probably should be, right? Well, is it taxable? Is it not? I, I haven't found something. And that's when they you, you know, come to us or someone refers them to us and says like, hey, you should talk to a tax lawyer that does this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then we look at it and say, hey, our analysis, we, don't, we do not think that there is um, binding requirement from the IRS that this is taxable. So there's, not, there's no regulation on point. There's no binding publication of any kind on point. And we think when we look at the traditional um like world of this if, if we if we step out of the cryptocurrency world and do an analysis of traditional tax law we think that this is non-taxable likely um we don't we obviously don't know you know a lot of lot of gray area but we're willing to write legal advice to you saying it's reasonable to leave this off your return if that's what you want to do and then what they do is you know they can leave it on on or off it doesn't matter but you know often they leave it off at that point because they have this legal opinion and then they can sort of sleep well at night knowing that they didn't do something irrational and stupid. And if it turns out that we're wrong, like the IRS comes out with new regulations next year, or there's a tax court case that finds wrapping is taxable, or they get the audit one of these clients, the answer is, well, 
if you're going to attach penalties to them, you have to, they have to be negligent, right? That's the standard to attach penalties. And the negligent standard is what would a reasonable person do in your same circumstances? And what the tax court has often found is a reasonable person goes and gets legal advice, right? They go get an opinion. So the idea here is even if, even if you and I, Sal, had the exact same analysis getting to the, to the conclusion, you and I both think that, you know, it's reasonable to leave wrapping income where the wrapping is as a non-taxable event. So leaving it off the return, if I give you that advice and you rely on it, file your return and you're wrong, well, then when they come to get you with penalties, it's very difficult or you know, nearly impossible for them to do that because you relied on an expert giving that advice. If you did it on your own, even as stupid as that sounds, the court would say, hey, well, a reasonable person would not rely on their own advice. It's too tricky. It's too, this area is so complicated, blah, blah, blah. Reasonable person would not rely on their own advice. That's pretty huge. And I think a lot of people would benefit from hearing that because in the crypto space, it, classically, I mean, I've been doing this podcast for a few years now. And one of the things we would always see is like people on Reddit would be like, right. come find me. You know what I mean? Obviously, right. Reddit's a terrible right. way to gauge what people are saying, but it is one way to gauge what, what people think. And, you know, that would be the the notorious thing people would say is, you know, come, come find me, come get my taxes, blah, blah, blah. Terrible opinion to have. But a lot yeah. of people may think that, hey, I'm going to do this. This is my opinion. This is how I think it should go. So this is what I'm going to yeah. do. You're a hell of a lot better off if you're going to a tax pro and the tax pro is telling you that that's okay and, and we're gonna we're gonna pen this letter that says it's okay to do this and we're a tax yeah. professional we have your back here yeah yeah and 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 the point is that like puts it puts the burden on me a little bit right so it's like mm -hmm. I, I don't say in here this is clearly not taxable at least I, very few of the opinions ever you know there's some transactions that yeah. are pretty clearly are not taxable but the majority of them it's sort of like it's gray it's not clear we don't have enough guidance from the irs to say one way or the other so right. we have to rely on traditional you know rules and traditional cases and whatever else and based on our professional analysis we think that there's you know it's reasonable to say it may or may not be taxable so mm -hmm. if you want to say it's not taxable that's reasonable and and so like that that's how that goes but you're exactly right because think about this sort of like play this out war game this out you take the position it's not taxable you have an opinion irs comes back at some point and challenges it and for whatever reason you lose or you decide you don't want to fight it whatever it ends up taxable you have to pay that tax and you have to pay interest on it but you very likely will not have to pay penalties because you relied on you know sound legal advice getting you there and so the question is like are you any worse off for having taken that position, then you wouldn't, you know, it, it's sort of this like tails you win, heads you win, because if you were gonna pay the tax anyway, right. you're not that much worse off for having sort of postponed that or, or like, you know, potentially got it off your return. As long as it's reasonable, again, I'm, I'm not advocating that you do stupid things and just leave stuff off your return, but I'm saying like, if, you, if it's a position that we feel comfortable writing opinion on, and, there, and there's a handful of them, right? there's like 10 or 12, transactions in the crypto space that we write most of our opinions on if it's one of those transactions and we feel then then rely on me like don't do rely on yourself we might come to the same conclusion but from my perspective i, I have two degrees in the tax I'm, and I'm as credentials as you can get in right. the tax world yeah and so absolutely. rely on me and, and and when the iris comes knock at your door you pull out this opinion you stick it in their face and you say hey i went to a law firm they wrote me an opinion i relied on that opinion i put it off the return you can you know i could be wrong you put that income back on my return but you sure as heck can't, you know, get mad at me beyond that because I did everything I everything I was supposed to. 
yeah. in this one. You mentioned that there's a number of topics that you've written opinion letters for. Um, I'm assuming yeah. uh, some of them involve wrapping crypto and liquidity. Could you talk about any of the topics? Yeah, I, I, I can I can talk about a couple of them. So let, let's talk about entrance and exit from a liquidity pool. Again, depends on the point it is, depending on what. Uh, there's a lot of factors that it matters, so this is not sort of blanket, but we have written opinion letters about entrance and exit of liquidity pool not being a taxable event. So staking rewards not being taxable when received, Interesting. or at least being a reasonable position. So, and, and I'll tell you how we get there, right? There's like five or six or eight pages of analysis in, in the legal opinion, but the opinion is this, hey, like IRS has said taxable in a sort of non-binding notice with zero analysis, no, no analysis, not a single piece of analysis. I can't use that that's useless to me as a tax lawyer, right? I, I appreciate that they've said that they think it's taxable, but without further analysis or without being in some sort of a binding format, I can't use that. It's not usable. I have to sort of put it to the side because I don't know how they get to that conclusion. I have to get to that conclusion on my own. So then you go through and say, okay, staking, is it taxable? Well, you know, if you read the law review articles and the law professor articles and the sort of like people in the tax space talking about it, the Bloomberg Law articles, like mm -hmm. there's a lot of resources out there and they're all sort of guessing because they too have no guidance from the IRS, right? Mm -hmm. Is it taxable, not taxable? I don't know. But they look at a lot of them say, well, it's services income, right? You're, you're providing a service and therefore it's services income. And we, and we walk through that analysis and say, okay, well, who are you providing services to? Is staking really a service? It, do you have a contract to get paid? How much does your contract get paid? We go through some case law about like where section 83 applies and doesn't apply. And, and you sort of like go through this analysis and then it, some of this starts to break down. Once you like get down to the nitty gritty of it, it's like, well, I don't know, there's no contract here. And if you stop performing the services, nobody could force you to go back. And if they didn't pay you, who would you sue? Right, mm -hmm. like the nebulous, the nebulous blockchain. There's right. nobody. There's right. nobody on the other side of this. And if you, if it's a non-enforceable contract, there's a question about whether there is a contract there. And if there's no contract, how can you be performing services under a contract if there's no contract? Right. So there's. Right. I mean, that's just like one piece of it. But you sort of walk this through. And say, well, okay, well, then it's you know maybe it's gambling winnings. Okay, so we you go. So we go through each of these pieces of like it could be taxable any like a dozen ways. But if you go through them in sort of detail and you look at the cases and you put a really fine tooth comb on it, you know, it might still be taxable under there. I'm not saying it's not taxable there, but it, it's certainly a weak argument. Right. It, having an argument at all is important because, again, a lot of this stuff, it's so wild west and it's like there's, you know, this would all be made easier if the IRS just put out uh, well, sure. uh, rules that said this is taxable, this is not taxable and like really just put it in stone and like made it very obvious and that doesn't exist. So taxpayers are, are forced to kind of interpret and go to tax pros and interpret. And, and it's, it's yeah. a very complex, unfair thing. So here, here's the thing, Sal, this, in my opinion, the reason they haven't done it yet is because they don't know. Right. If this right. was so clear. So there's an article out of some tax professor in UC Berkeley or something, you know, one of the UC California schools. Mm -hmm. he's, he's like really well known in the space or like generally. And he has this article that's so forcefully like clear that this stuff is taxable. He's like, yeah, this is anybody who says this is not taxable is just being an idiot. I can't believe you'd even take that position. Blah, blah, blah. It's so clearly services income. 
And then at the end, he says like, oh, and if it's not services income, it's probably this other thing. And it's like, well, if it's so clear that it's services income, why did you need to add this like addendum on like, mm-hmm. well, and if it's not something else, it's anybody who says with certainty one side or the other, I think is, is just being an idiot. Right. Like, and there's I so many protocols think, too, right? Like there's so many yeah. different, like we're talking about liquidity. Exactly. There's so many different liquidity protocols exactly. and how they operate and, you know, how they, what's cool. going on in the back end cool. and, you know. Who owns the liquidity pool, right? Who who has custody yeah. of those of, of those funds? Who can can somebody sort of like liquidate those funds at will? Maybe they're the owner of it, or can you pull them back off the chain at any time? Like exactly like you say. And I think personally, the reason the IRS hasn't come out with the the regulations that they should have is I just don't think they know. I, I honestly, I'm sure they have some ideas, but I don't think this fits into any good basket. I think they're trying to fit a square, a very square peg into a round hole, and it just doesn't fit in any of the baskets very well. And so I think the reason we haven't seen it is because they're waiting, they're seeing, they're watching it, they're they're letting it sort of filter. And you know, I, I know that the Jarrett's case comes up all the time. I think that does give insight into the IRS's thinking, which is I don't think they're ready to take this on head on. At least when the Jarrett's case, you know, in the last two years, I think they were not ready to take this on head on because I don't know that they know how they would win. I'm not saying this is not going to be taxable. So I'm not saying for a second that like staking rewards when you receive them are not taxable. Mm-hmm. They could be taxable. They could put out a regulation that makes them taxable tomorrow. What I'm saying is given what we have, which is effectively nothing, I think there's a reasonable argument that it's not taxable when you receive them. And then they're taxable when you sell them. Once you dispose of them. And and that would make a lot of sense to a lot of people. I've interacted with customers who have said, listen, I had huge staking rewards for sure, but I never withdrew them. I never converted them to fiat. I didn't even trade with them. I just held them and now they're worth nothing. So you're telling me that I had, you know, a million dollars in staking income, but I never touched this. And and somehow I'm, I'm supposed to pay it's worth nothing now, but I'm supposed to pay, you know, $300,000 in taxes on it. This is insane. Like, so I think a lot of people would, would uh, happily take that opinion, honestly. Yeah, and, and, and like I say, as long, so let me just give you one little caveat to opinions, right? So there's a tax court case out there that a corporation or some, some you know, some business relied on a, an opinion, um, took a tax position, and the court still put penalties on them. Hmm. And what the court found was they said, like, we're talking about a reasonableness standard here, right? What would a reasonable person do? This opinion apparently was just totally like poorly done, right? Two or three pages, no analysis, it was missing facts. The court said, even a lay person should know that this is a crappy opinion. This is not an opinion you can rely on because it's so poorly written. But the idea is, right, my responsibility is to give good legal advice that like I can support and that's like grounded in the law. Me saying like, hey, Sal, back of the napkin, Here's a little thing saying not taxable. I'll sign my name to it. Not right. going to fly. Not going right. to cut it. Not going to help you. What I'm what what my responsibility is, and, and the one I take quite seriously is, I want to make sure that my legal advice is sound. I can be wrong. I'm not saying I'm not wrong, but I'm saying my analysis is going to be right. And so that if somebody comes back and says, "Well, good analysis," it's wrong at the end of the day because a tax court opinion in the meantime has said this is taxable. Mm-hmm. I don't care at some level because. I want my analysis to be right and, and and be a good opinion, right? So that that I just sort of lay that as a caveat that like just because a lawyer tells you something doesn't of mean course. it sticks. But I think but a lot of people right, are are having that idea. I mean, talk about common sense. We talk about 
a lay person should know this, but it's like, again, right. if I go back to the example of somebody who has all this staking income, they didn't touch right. it, they didn't sell it, they didn't right. convert it for other right. crypto, and now it's worth nothing, right. but they're expected to pay this yeah. huge tax bill. Common yeah. sense would dictate in that sense. It's like, okay, I didn't profit from this at all. How am I, you know, right. do a tax on right. it? So I think getting a professional's opinion if you have a liability of, of hundreds of thousands of dollars in tax, you don't want to just take this position on your own. That would be insane. And if right. you're trading things of that caliber, then you should absolutely be going to a professional. But to have right. somebody in their corner penning this opinion letter that yeah. makes sense, I mean, that's such a helpful service to have. So I think a lot of people should should look into that and, and should know about it for sure. Yeah, I wish more law firms were doing it because yeah. Many of the people I talk to, like opinions, not opinions, just people I talk to, clients, non-clients, friends, associates, people in the space, everybody has questions about the tax. I, I don't know a single person that doesn't say like, well, you know, I did this kind of new weird transaction. It kicked off. I got a bunch of like stuff airdropped to me. Is it taxable, not taxable? I don't know. We can look at the facts. Mm -hmm. I haven't written opinion on this, but I'll tell you, I have a strong hunch that airdrops may not be taxable if what they really are is a gift or some sort of a like bonus yeah. or benefit. I haven't done the analysis yet, but all I'm saying is if someone were to come to me with that fact pattern, I would be happy to do that research for free. You know what I mean? Before I wrote the opinion and say like, yeah, I think I could take that position on, on this. Obviously airdrops come in a thousand different varieties. So, right. you know, it wouldn't be across the blanket, but if someone came to me and said, Hey, I had $500,000 of airdrop tokens of some sort of little shit coin or something like, Okay, I'm happy to look at that and do that analysis. And if it if I can come up with a reasonable, well-reasoned analysis about why that's not taxable, happy to write an opinion for that person. So I wish more people were in here because I just because it like it's a place that needs clarity. And if the IRS isn't going to give clarity, then the tax professionals have to, right? Unfortunately, my job has now become doing what the IRS should be doing, which is giving clarity to people so that they're not either over-reporting their income, which is stupid right? At some level or like keeping income off their returns and getting slapped with penalties and all sorts of, you know, problem things down the road mm -hmm. because they took a position that they thought was reasonable at the time. And it turns out it wasn't, or the IRS says it wasn't. So, so what's the, what's the process here then? You know, if somebody wants to take a stance on something, somebody wants to get one of these yeah. opinion letters, how do they go about yeah. this? Do they contact you, contact your firm? What's, what's the process? Yeah, they, they can contact me. They can contact the firm. I mean, they can contact you. Feel free to send them over. Like feel, you know, they can come to my website and just reach out. The, the idea would be they can come to me and if, if they're in some sort of a transaction that we've written an opinion on before, then I can tell them right off the gate, like, yes, staking rewards, if you're on these blockchains, we think there's a reasonable position, not taxable. If you're on that, we're happy to write that opinion letter. If it's a new thing like, hey, airdropped from this, you know, kind of weird coin or new coin or something, I'm happy to do that analysis for free for them. And then if it's like, if it's something that I could say, yes, we can do an opinion on this, I'll do that opinion for them, right? And, and I'll tell you the truth, Sal, which is also one of the reasons I think more people need to be in this space. Like I think there's people usually come to me having done a lot of the analysis themselves, right? People will come to me because they've done a bunch of research and say, I don't think this transaction is taxable. Can you help me? I, I obviously am not a tax professional, but I've done a bunch of research. And what should be happening is people that even have a question should reach out, right? They shouldn't have to go to those kind of lengths and torture themselves going through the tax code. We all know that that's torture, like true torture. It's like, you shouldn't have to do that. You should be able to come to me. There should be, you know, come to me and say like, hey, I have this issue. I don't know if these are taxable or those are taxable or whatever. And I can say like, you know, I've never looked at these. I'm happy to, I've looked at these. That probably is tax. I can't write an opinion on this one. I can write an opinion on these transactions. 
so they don't have to go through that sort of torture of analysis of like, hey, I personally am going to try to like understand the tax code with no background in it to say that I think this transaction is or is it taxable. Yeah, absolutely. And so we'll put it in the show notes and everything, but can you tell us uh, the website and, and what the best email or any preferred way to get in touch with you so that they can do this yeah, process? Yeah, the fastest way to get a hold of me would just be by uh, by email. It's just my first name and I'll spell it because it's, you know, it's it's long and whatever else, but E-P-H-R-A-I-M and then at olsenpartnerslaw.com. And you can just go to the website, which is just olsenpartnerslaw.com. And there's a contact us form on there and stuff. So, Awesome. Well, I mean, I really appreciate you sharing all this information. Like I said, I, I truly think it's a service that a lot of people will benefit from. I think it's a service that probably not a ton of people realize exists. So I, I really hope our listeners gain some valuable information from our conversation that we've just had. And I appreciate well, and, you sharing and, and, this. Appreciate letting me come on here, Sal, because like, again, the reason I'm here is it, it's not because I'm trying to get rich off of this. The reality <laughs> is I just think there's a huge need. I like care about this community. I see a place where I can add the most value, which is I have a like specialized set of expertise. And where I think I can add the most value is helping people give them clarity in a, in a, in a structured way that's like sanctioned by the IRS that works that they can't get elsewhere. So like that, that's why I'm here. And that's, I appreciate you letting me come on here because I appreciate getting the message out, whether it's me or some other lawyer that you don't really care, but I do think people should like think seriously about getting opinions before they take positions that they're sort of unsure of because yeah. like everybody wins that way. Everybody wins, they do it the right way. And then the chance of having something come back and haunt them later is goes down pretty close to zero. Yeah. And it's clarity in a space that desperately needs clarity and that desperate, exactly. that really lacks clarity. Exactly. So it's, it's yeah. a, it's yeah. an absolutely necessary service. So again, thank you so much for talking about it. We're definitely going to have to have you back to, to discuss some Sound of your opinions on, on some of the, you know, we've talked many times about different types of liquidity swaps and staking and all yeah. sorts of crypto yeah. activities. So I'd love to hear yeah. your opinions. We'll have to have a, another episode if you'd like to come back on. Sal, I would love to be back. This is an absolute pleasure. Thanks for taking time to, to chat with me. And uh, and, and we'll, we'll do this again, like you say. All right, perfect. Ephraim, thank you so much again. Thanks, Sal. Talk to you later. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Bitcoin Taxes Podcast. You can find out more information about today's guest by going to talk.bitcoin.tax. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would love it if you could give us a positive review on whichever podcast platform you listen to the episode on. Don't forget, you can go to Bitcoin.tax for any of your cryptocurrency tax calculation needs. Have a great day, everybody, and thanks again for listening.